0: Welcome to We Built This Life. I'm your host, Jennifer Walker, and this is the podcast that mainly tells stories about entrepreneurs and small business owners and how they've built their working lives from the ground up. Today's episode features Mandy Memel, the founder and executive director of Drink at the Well and Huns Honey in Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you so much for listening today. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of We Built This Life. I'm your host, Jennifer Walker, and this episode is focusing on Mandy Memel, as you just heard in the intro. She is the founder and executive director of Drink at the Well, also known as The Well, and Hunts Honey in Baltimore, Maryland. So The Well is a nonprofit that Mandy started that supports women who are coming out of trauma. So women who have just been facing addiction, trafficking, generational poverty, or abuse, And they are experiencing all of the challenges that come with that. And The Well provides these women with support by offering a community of other women. So creating this circle of support with women who have all had or who are going through that experience of coming out of trauma. The Well offers programs and resources where these women can learn new skills. And Mandy will talk more about this. And then The Well offers meaningful work or a path towards dignity and financial independence. And this is where Huns Honey comes in. So Huns Honey is the social enterprise business that Mandy founded in 2018 to employ women who have gone through the program at The Well. And Huns Honey is a a retail type business that offers products. Of course, they offer honey, hence the name. Uh, And they're really nice honeys and a couple different flavors. I just went on the website and I saw honeys in creamed, hot, elderberry, and rosemary flavors. They also offer bath and body products. I was just over at Whole Foods, the Whole Foods downtown in downtown Baltimore, and I saw that they have a selection of soaps from Huns Honey. I've tried them before. They're really nice. And then they also have gifts. They did a really nice variety of gift baskets for the holidays. So, it's a fun website to explore, and it is Hun's Honey that is providing meaningful employment for women from the well. So, that's how the two, the nonprofit and the social enterprise business, are connected. So, on this episode, Mandy is going to talk about her early careers leading up to her founding the well. She had a few roles beforehand in various industries, so she'll talk about that. Of course, she's going to talk about the origin stories for the well and Hun's Honey. We'll talk a little bit about Mandy's management style because she has a team of people that she works with through her nonprofit and her business, and she'll talk about what she wishes she knew when she started The Well and Huns Honey, and her advice for other business owners and nonprofit owners. We also like to talk about successes and challenges on this show, so you'll hear about that too. And i want to mention here that if you're interested in social enterprise businesses you might want to check out episode 10 of this podcast with ashley becker from sayla designs which is her social enterprise jewelry company okay so two quick announcements before we get started the first is that i also wanted to mention that if you were local to baltimore The Well and Hunts Honey are having a big event next month. The Well is celebrating its 10-year anniversary, and Hunts Honey is celebrating five years of business with a diamond anniversary event at the Baltimore Museum of Industry on April 28th in the evening. If you are local to Baltimore, you know that the Baltimore Museum of Industry has a nice big parking lot, so it's a great place for an event. A general admission ticket for $75 includes food stations, Hunts Honey product demos, and a live auction. And then there's also a $125 ticket option that in addition to the general admission ticket benefits, also includes a cocktail celebration and a silent auction following the program. So I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can buy tickets. If you are interested in this event, you know, it sounds like it's gonna be a lot of fun. And then before we get into the interview, I also wanted to invite you to come follow along on Instagram at We Built This Life. That's one of the best places to find out when new episodes are live and to hear some selected quotes from each episode. It's a great place to interact. So I hope to see you over there. I'm over at We Built This Life. Okay, let's get into this week's episode with Mandy Memel from The Well and Hunts Honey. So, before founding Drink at the Well and Hun's Honey, Mandy Memel worked in healthcare and in interior design, and she stayed home with her three children when they were young. And she was also involved with working with women at her church at one point. And through a friend of hers who was also a pastor, she was introduced to the community of Curtis Bay in South Baltimore. And this experience, the fact that she was introduced to this community, was really the catalyst for Mandy to think about starting a nonprofit. Yeah, I
1: graduated as a nurse and worked in Baltimore as a cardiac nurse at St. Agnes Hospital for about five years. I love the field of nursing, but I paused on it to have children with the birth of my second child. I stayed home, and I stayed home for a good many of years, which to me, honestly, I think is one of the most important businesses you can be in. (laughs) It's probably my favorite small businesses is raising strong, small kiddos, and I actually am a huge believer in that. And any mom who has the opportunity to stay home, I'm all for it. But I stayed home for a time, a good 10 years or more. During that time, I had a friend of mine. I was working out at the gym and had a friend that I met. She and I both had a passion and love for interior design. And we would help our friends decorate their homes to make them a a wonderful space for their families. And we ended up kind of getting together. We looked at each other and said, Hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And we said, "Hey, let's let's start a let's start an interior design business." So we just started a design consultation business and staging business and redesign business for folks in the mainly the Anne Arundel County area, but we did some in, in Baltimore, Annapolis, all over the place. And it was a small business. Really enjoyed it. It was definitely my art form. During that time, I started doing women's work at my church, like a women's ministry, to work with women in my church. And at that time, I was going to a community church over in Pasadena. And at that time, I I had a pastor friend who then was able to be introduced to the community of Curtis Bay. And that's how I got introduced to Curtis Bay. After a medical mission trip, using my nursing skills, going to Africa and learning a lot about the community of Zambia, Zimba, Zambia, I am working in an eye clinic there. When I came back and really got to know the area of Curtis Bay, I realized, wow, we don't really need to be going over to other countries, although I'd encourage it. I think it's a phenomenal experience, but we have a lot of work to do right in our very own Baltimore. And so landed in Curtis Bay, and
0: that's how things started. And you got to know the community of Curtis Bay through the work with your church?
1: I did, yeah. So started with, I decided uh, not to do a pretty little Christmas party in my church, but to take it down to the community of Curtis Bay, opened it up to all the women there in the Curtis Bay area and had about 75 to 100 women in the community in attendance at the uh, Filbert Street Recreation Center in Curtis Bay. With that, I began a small group in the rec center over the years. And that was started way back in 2004. And that's when I began to understand, um, not just be introduced to, but understand and build relationships with the women in the Curtis Bay area. And they became my family and met some of the most incredible people who had challenging circumstances that held them back from some of their dreams. And that's what really inspired me to open up The Well.
0: That's great. So you're working with this community in Curtis Bay and you have this idea to sort of start this business to further help them. How did, how did you get The Well off the ground, right? How did it go from this idea in your head into something that was a fully functioning business?
1: So I worked in the community of Curtis Bay on my own for about 10 years. I would go in and have a small group where we would just talk about our stories, share about our troubles, talk about the things that were going well in our lives. We would get wisdom from the faith world, and we would, you know, we would we would pray, we would read scripture, but most importantly, we would just do life together. And with that, we just built relationship during that time, I began to meet with women one-on-one. I, th- I thought the community is great. This is a great little community. It went from about three women to, grew to about 40 women, and then we would break off into smaller groups. And within that time frame, I began to mentor with women. I would go into Curtis Bay and go to women's homes and meet with them, and um, we would just have a mentorship session or a coaching session, and I would be able just to kind of pour into them, learn from them. give advice. Over time, I've probably mentored about 120 women. And from that, I really got a vision of, wow, how can we better equip women? How can we help women to be healed and restored? And just had a vision of having a home in the community where women could come, like a drop-in center, where they could come and be healed and restored. But I loved the idea of bridging other women to come and do the same thing that I was doing in mentorship understanding that that one-on-one relationship was really life-changing for the women that I was working with, and I wanted to give others the same opportunity. The cool thing is, not only did the women that I work with, were they growing, but what I found is that I was growing. My life changed and that I came to a level of understanding and tore down all stigmas and better understood the challenges in which women endure that are women who are trying to rise. And and it changed my life. And that's really what we do at The Well. We're a community of women being transformed. And that's every person that walks through the door. None of us are better or greater. And that's the beauty of it. So about 10 years later, I decided to find that building, to find that space where we would offer a mentorship program for women in the community. I thought it was going to be a little row home, but we ended up finding a building in foreclosure. And we took our retirement fund and purchased the building. <laughs> and we ended up with the tenants upstairs, ended up paying the mortgage. And that's how we ended up on the bottom floor of where we are currently. And now we have the whole building. <laughs> but we launched with a mentorship program that very quickly turned into a life development program. Not only did we mentor and pour into, but then we coached women along their life journey and taught them basic life skills, things that they hadn't learned growing up, even as children. The women that we serve are women coming out of very traumatic circumstances. Uh, 99% of them were abused as children, come out of foster care, etc., and never developed some of the basic skills of life that they needed to live a full and abundant life. And so that was really the premise by which we started back in 2013 is when we launched.
0: That's great. So you said you used your retirement funds to buy the building. And I was wondering what what was going through your head when you made that decision? Were you scared? Did you feel really confident? How did you decide to do that?
1: I, I felt confident because I'm very strong in my faith. I really believed in using all of my gifts and talents and that one day when I get to heaven that there wouldn't be any left because I use them all on on earth. (laughs) So I I just I I really wanted to make a difference. I, I didn't want to be one of those people who complained or judged and had all of these different ideas without making effort. I was introduced to an area that impacted me, and I wanted to give back, and I wanted to make a difference. I do believe it's just my natural bent, for sure, but I also believe that my nursing background played a huge role in the how, and the how we ended up creating the programming.
0: Yeah. How did did it play a role? How was it helpful?
1: Well, I think, you know, if anyone who's been to nursing school has done a ton of nursing care plans, where you have someone who has a a challenge or in the nursing field, a medical difficulty. In my field, it could be addiction, could be sex work, sexual exploitation, abuse, generational poverty, right? And so that person has a desire, either they want to get well, like in the medical field, they want to get well. In the field that I work in, they want to be mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally, financially well. And so our goal For each woman walking through the doors to help them, first of all, to understand their value, their identity, their created purpose, but also to help them to be self-sustained so that not only will they be well for themselves and their children and their families, but the ultimate goal is that they will be well for the next woman walking through the door, that they'll be able to take their life and what they've learned and be able to turn it back around for the next woman so that she can pour into her.
0: So they become mentors as they work through the program.
1: That is the goal.
0: Yeah, that's the goal. So, can you take me through like a woman first comes through the well? And I saw on your website there's like these different stages that they go through as they move through the program. Can you describe the woman comes in, what is she working on at each stage up until she gets to maybe hun's honey and that employment stage?
1: Yeah, so when a woman first walks through the door, we want to make sure she has basic needs. Does she have a home or a place that she's living? Does she have transportation to where she needs to go? Does she have very simple things like an ID, a birth certificate? Is she in active addiction or is she mentally stable? We have a drop in center, and anyone, anyone's allowed to come into our drop in center to receive clothing, food, essential needs maybe a hug, a friendly face, a shower. But if someone is in active addiction or they're not mentally stable, they're not able at the time to come into our core life development program. We then attempt to segue them or transition them to, to get the help that's needed in hopes that they might circle back around to be able to be a part of our program. And they, and they apply. They apply for our core life development program if they are eligible And we do assessments on them. Our community advocate or social worker will do assessments. It's a lot of processing to have a woman come in through our core life development program. We want to do an ACES score, which is adverse childhood experiences. We want to see where she is. You know, is she eligible? Does she need to go to a different type of mentorship program for women who are at higher levels? Or is this a woman who really needs the basic life skills development? We allow her a 30-day trial period, and she's able to come into the classes to check us out to see, hey, is this really what I want to do? And then she begins to develop her life plan. It's not something we have for her. She develops her own plan. She envisions what it is that she wants to do with her life, and we help her to build a plan that gets her there and give her the resources along the way. Within three months period of time of being in our Core Life Development Program, she's eligible to work for Hunts Honey. So if she's uh, faithful in our program and is in need of employment and financial sustainability, we do our best to employ her at Hunts Honey. And so then she will have an interview with Sarah Batley, our Senior Director of Hunts Honey. And hopefully, uh, if if we're able to hire her at the time, we'll be able to hire her. And, And who we look to hire is very different from the working world. (laughs) We actually look for a woman who needs to be sustained. We look for a woman who is unemployable in so many other areas because we start with the very, very basic workforce development training and needs. And if she needs to be sustained and needs to have a help up financially and can work at a great organization, great company, then we find a way to make it happen.
0: I love that you work with women to make their own life plan and they get to really be autonomous in crafting that and then you help them get to where they want to go. That's really cool. And then uh, for Huns Honey, when did you decide, in 2018, why did you decide to found that program and why did you choose Honey as the focus?
1: So back uh, when I started The Well and our Core Life Development Program, I had a friend, a great, two great friends that have done international social enterprises throughout the world, and I was telling him about the work that I was doing, and he said, I love what you're doing, but have you considered opening a business to employ women that will really make a big difference? And so I had always considered that. And his wife, one of my very dear friends, Elaine, took me out to Tennessee where there's another organization who had a social enterprise and they were doing it very successfully. I got to tour that facility and was just really blown away at what I saw. And I really came back and really wanted the opportunity to model after that and and have a workforce development that would employ women and help them to rise and be sustained on their own. So we launched in 2018 with nine different products. We had a great event at the American Visionary Arts Museum where we unveiled nine different products. So our goal was raw local honey coming out of Baltimore and spa products and home good products made of honey and beeswax and bee byproducts. And so we basically just started a Pinterest board and began to think of ideas of things that were made with honey and and what that would look like. I had some inspiration from other stores around, uh, like one of our competitors, the Savannah Bee Company, and they are located in the South. And had visited there and saw a store that was all things bee, all things honey, and was pretty moved by that. If you consider the hive. A a beehive and all the different components and the processes of the beehive. You begin to really understand and see the development of community. And so we call our production site the hive, and our production specialists are called worker bees, which is just a beautiful term for us because it's the worker bee in the hive that does all the work, and they happen to be all female. And so they work together beautifully. First of all, to build and support the queen bee, but also to build this beautiful, you know, colony, this beautiful hive, and they're and they have one end goal, and they work hard at it together. And so it's really a beautiful picture of our hive and the women who are worker bees who are there, working hard, telling their stories across the table, supporting one another, doing peer to peer, and it's just a very very beautiful place and space to just to heal. So we call it a healing hive.
0: I love that. I love the analogy of the hive. It kind of brings everything together, huh? Everything you're doing with the well, everything you're doing with Huns Honey. That's amazing. So are you able to share a story or two about someone who has come through the well and Huns Honey and how the programs have changed their their lives?
1: Yeah, I could tell you multiple stories and who comes to mind right now as a friend who actually inspired our program. She kind of helped me along the way as we were building. We also have a very huge outreach program and I'll I'll circle back around in a second, but it's very important to mention that we're in the center of one of the poorest communities in Baltimore with a lot of crime, a lot of things going on around us. And so because of that, it's very important that we build trust. So we have a great outreach program. And within that outreach program is a little bit of food distribution, a drop-in center, Oasis program where we do showers, but also a clothing distribution closet. And this friend who I was mentoring, she helped to establish the clothing closet back in 2013 when we first reconstructed the well. And she did that out of the need for her community, wanting, needing, having a need. And so that uh, Hope Chest, we call it, still exists today to sustain our community through clothing. And it's really how we get to know our community. So she was incarcerated, came home with her family. I met her at our Women of Hope Life Group that met at the Curtis Bay Rec Center. And I was just enamored with her. She was an amazing woman who just had so much to give to the world and had a lot of struggles. I got to meet with her, saw some great life change. I would go out to her home in Brooklyn. We'd sit on the back porch. And just talk and tell story and pray and cry and <laughs> all the things. And I would pour into her. I would take her places, take her to all her you know doctor's appointments, take her to court dates, all the things. And I just, I just invested in her intentionally with the end goal to see her rise. Over the years, she had some bumps in the way. In the meantime, we had started the well and she made an attempt to come in, had some bumps in the road. Came back one day and she said, you know, Mandy, I am I am ready to make a difference in my life. I am done with me. <laughs> I am ready to do this thing. And so she came into our program. She gave it everything she had. She got employed through Huns Honey and actually ended up becoming our beekeeper over time. And now she keeps her bees. She has gotten out on her own, gotten her own place, her own car. And now she is in a managerial position and keeping our bees and training others to keep bees as well. So she has come a very long way. She's doing super well, and we're really proud of her.
0: That's a great story. And it's like she had to kind of waiting until she was ready, it sounds like, huh? And then when she was ready, she came in through the program.
1: Yeah. So in our mission statement, we say long-term relationships. And that is because it takes a very long time for a woman to develop trust in us, but also in herself and in the others around her. So it just takes a long time to build that. It takes a long time to raise the roof of possibility for yourself. We talk about that a lot. And I watched this happen with my friend who literally rose above life's challenges. And then when she got to a certain point, when she hit the ceiling, she realized, wow, there really isn't a ceiling at all. I could really do anything I wanted to do and began to train herself in beekeeping. Whereas she thought that she was done learning, she reached higher levels and began to grow even more.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what the challenges have been in starting these businesses and also most what you're most proud of? Could you share kind of both sides of the spectrum?
1: Sure, we we um as I was talking about, we launched Hans Honey back in two thousand eighteen. We have had like a hundred and fifty percent trajectory since then. <laughs> we have grown dramatically in four years. Here's the warning to other entrepreneurs out there: getting into nonprofit world and social entrepreneurialships is not for you. So I am not building a business that one day I'm going to turn around and sell. I'm building a business that builds communities. So our goal for Huns Honey is to employ women at all costs. So right now we have 15 women employed through Huns Honey, women survivors who are employed. We have other employees as well, but 15 women survivors who are employed who produce the products. And we have a huge line of products. You'd have to go online to hunshoney.com to check us out. We have a lot of cool things check us out. I'll throw in a little tidbit there. So I still have to get funding to support Huns honey, yes, it brings in a great deal of revenue. But when you begin to do the math and understand how much we're putting out in product, how much we're putting out in raw material, in containers, in wages for the worker bees, but also wages for managerial staff, we don't profit. <laughs> so we still have to get the funding that is necessary to survive, and that's part of what I do. The beautiful thing about what products that we put out is that they are all natural products made with essential oils. Every every one of our products has a little bit of honey or beeswax. Our face masks has the royal jelly powder in it. So that's an amazing product as well. And so our products are just incredible. We have a lot of testimonials of people coming back and telling us just the healing qualities of certain things that they've used. So healing products by healing people. We're really proud of that. We're really proud of being able to launch a business using women survivors in Baltimore. (laughs) Employing, not using, employing, giving them the opportunity, employing women survivors in Baltimore. So workforce development is a critical part of what we do, but it is very difficult. We're in the middle of working on like levels. When a woman first comes in, she starts out at a certain level. And then once she attains some of those goals, she's able to move to the next phase of development for herself and able to make different products, able to make more money, able to go to market and sell the products. So incredible, incredible, kind of like a ladder for her and learning just the basic things of just coming to work, showing up on time. What do I need to wear? How do I need to act? How do I treat my fellow worker bees when I'm in a conflict? How do I handle the conflict? I can't handle it like I handled it on the street. I have to learn to handle that in different ways. So those things take a lot of time to work out. And so we're really proud to say that we have successfully found a process that does that and helps women to rise through fair wages.
0: That's great. So you mentioned a little bit about seeking funding for Huns Honey, about payroll and, and kind of managing finances. And it got me thinking about all of the things that go into running a business. And was there a learning curve for you when you started? Did you have to take any classes? Did you have to build those skills or did you kind of come in having them from your interior design background?
1: So when I the miracle of it all
0: <laughs> is when I uh
1: I had a partner in the interior design business and she's now the executive director of Hope for All which is another nonprofit organization which I highly regard and so she was actually the administrative manager she did all kind of the administrative parts of that so I just remember her saying to me one day after starting the well and hunts, honey, wow, you were hiding this administrative skill. And honestly, I really wasn't. I just really believe that if we want something badly enough and we feel like we lack the gift, honestly, I just really believe that God equips us with whatever it is that we need to accomplish whatever is our passion. And so I think our brains are very complex, just like my friend who learned to be a beekeeper. I I had my own roof raised with lots of possibility. And so I just, I reached out to all the resources around me. I hired people that were smarter than me (laughs) and well-versed and we've just been a great team. I have not built this on my own. I've had some amazing people who have surrounded me over the years. Many people like who have helped to, to build people who helped to build our products, people to help to build the business. So the beautiful part of the work that I do and, and what I can really testify to here now is that I did not do this on my own. Most certainly, there were many people who were amazing and very skilled around me, and we built this together as a team.
0: What do you think it takes to be a good manager? What is your management style, and how do you work with the team at The Well at Hunts Honey?
1: Yeah, I would say that my management style is collaborative, some of my employees really like that. Some do not. Some just want to be told what to do. Some really like to be able to weigh in on, on some of the ideas and decisions. And so I have learned that even though I'm very collaborative, that I really need to better understand my employees. And I'm still learning that, by the way. I've had lots of humbling moments along that journey of really understanding who's on our team. What are their skills? What are their areas of gifting? And how, how can we use them to the best of their ability? I have understood two schools of thought in hiring people. One is that you build the job, you build the job description, and you go out and find the people to fit that exact job description. The other school of thought that really seems to work for the nonprofit world is that you hire the people with a passion, the yes factor, the availability, and the skill sets. And you place them in the jobs that you need, but you also fit them very intricately as they are gifted and talented. And I tend to lean towards that style. But I also, again, want to just say that I do think that's very unique to the nonprofit world.
0: I think that's a good point, though, about understanding your employees and how they work and what they respond to as far as management. I imagine that takes some time, but is more of an effective way to do things over time.
1: Yes, yes. And and it's really nonprofits don't have as high a pay as other organizations. And so you really have to find the people with the passion. It's just critical.
0: That's a really good point. Is there anything that you wish you knew when you started your businesses? What have have you learned along the way? Or would you have done anything differently?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I would have done a thousand things differently. (laughs) (laughs) I I do think I would have. I kind of started off as kind of a little bit. Well, first of all, we started out with volunteers. So I didn't start out with getting funding and paying people. We started out with volunteers. And when you're working with volunteers, that's a whole different world. Of understanding, and I think that I would have maybe started a little more slowly, only because I had the opportunity to do that. But I think that I would have started with a stronger business plan. I think that I would have started with a little, little bit more schooling for myself on just the basics of how to how to do a budget, you know, how to understand and read QuickBooks. And so I will confess that I don't have many accolades behind me that I have been in the school of hard knocks for the last nine years and I have learned everything by doing tends to be my learning style, (laughs) but honestly, I, I do think having a very strong board of directors behind you, having people who support you and having people who can pour into you around you is probably, probably the most important thing for a business or organization to thrive. Knowing who your people are and establishing your support system and having each person in that support system have knowledge of different skill sets and areas of a business and that they can pour into you and coach you and help you to grow.
0: That's a really good point. And you you mentioned trauma, You would think that working with women who have been through trauma so consistently for so many years could potentially be challenging or take a toll. Do you ever have to guard against like feelings of being drained or just needing a break or does that ever come up for you or do you not really feel that?
1: Every day. Every day. Yes, it's extraordinarily difficult work. And every day I have to remember where we used to be where she used to be, where I used to be, (laughs) and remember how far we've come, how far I've come, how far she's come. And I have to be okay with that, not having too high of expectations, but also pausing to celebrate the victories. And when I do that, I get re-encouraged because oftentimes we do have women who go back out and who are unable to, to stay in our program. And it can be very, very discouraging. And in the work that I do, you have to go into it with the mindset of understanding addiction, understanding trauma, and you can't personalize it. You can't say, man, you know, what could I have done differently? Everyone has a choice, including the woman who comes to, to our program. She has a choice and she gets to make those choices. <laughs> and so we can't lay it on ourselves. We have to, to look around and see the work that we are doing and focus on the woman who is working hard for her own life. And, and we have to be pleased with that. And that has to be enough.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Have your priorities changed at all as a business owner in terms of how you spend your time and your energy? Like I would imagine your, your role looks a little different today than it did nine years ago. How has it evolved over time?
1: So as I mentioned, we, we we began a little loosely, and I've kind of tightened down the reins as we've gone, and tightened down the structure and the process and procedures as we've gone. And for me, I would say what has changed for me is really stepping into my role. The understanding now that I am fully equipped. Uh, there's lots that I need to learn along the way, but that I can do the things that I need to do to make it thrive and. And that tomorrow is always a new day (laughs) and that there is nothing that happens in an organization that you cannot find the resources to overcome it and that we are stronger than we
0: think. So that's a good place to end for today. I really want to thank Mandy Memble for being on the show today. I enjoyed this conversation so much. Being from Baltimore, I had heard of Hunts Honey. As Mandy said when we were talking, I think the brand is in something like 60 to 70 retail locations. And as I mentioned, I've I've seen the soap at Whole Foods and the honey. I've seen Hunts Honey products at the National Aquarium. And I knew that they were a business with a social mission. But I don't think I really understood that they are employing women who are survivors of trauma as their main goal. So they are giving jobs to people who have been through horribly difficult experiences, and they're giving them a path forward. And as Mandy said, they are helping these women rise, which I just love that as a visual, the fact that you're helping somebody else rise. And I love the idea, too, that they're not only providing jobs, but as these women master new skills, as Mandy said, they are also providing opportunities for them to move to the next level. So opportunities for growth and advancement. It, it makes me want to support Huns Honey even more. And I also didn't realize, something I learned, that they rely on outside funding to be able to pay their staff. So it's a social enterprise business, as, as Mandy said. It's a little bit different than the small business model that we often hear about on this show. And I appreciated learning more about how a social enterprise business functions and hearing Mandy's perspective. So thank you so much to her for being a guest on this show. I'll just end here with a little bit of podcasting behind the scenes. I've reached another little personal goal here. So last fall, I emailed seven people to see if they wanted to be guests on this show. I might have mentioned this before. I can't remember. I've talked, I know I've talked before about how challenging it has been at times to find guests to be on the show. So I emailed seven people. I think it was last summer, actually, that I sent the emails. And my thought was, okay, maybe I'll hear from one or two of them. And then I'll, I'll interview them. And then I'll go send some more emails but I actually heard back from five people. Of the seven I emailed, all of the women, the five women that I emailed, got back to me, and they ended up being guests on the show. So we had muralist Jazz Ehrenberg, Nina Ross of Nina's Cookie Explosion, Kate Christian from Bliss Woodworks, Emma Reisinger from Yellow House Farm, and now Mandy Memel from The Well and Hun's Honey. So last fall, between September and November, I've had these five episodes recorded. Mandy was Mandy's was the last one. I think we talked in November. And I'm just so happy to have gotten these five stories together and out into the world. All of these women are from Baltimore. They are all amazing women to support. So I hope you will check out their episodes, check out their businesses and their work, and learn a little bit more about what they do. And as for this show, we'll see where we go from here. If you were a small business owner, I'll be looking to interview some new people for the show. I have some ideas, but if there's someone you'd love to hear from that you would like to, you know, you'd like to hear from as a guest on the show, if you're a consumer or just somebody who enjoys hearing these stories and you'd like to learn more about a particular business owner, please let me know. If you are a business owner yourself, a small business owner, and you'd like to be a guest, I'd love to hear that too. You can get in touch with me on Instagram at WeBuiltThisLife. I'm also planning to possibly do a short survey giveaway type thing, kind of a multiple choice survey, just to get some feedback on the show and what direction to go in next. So be on the lookout for that. And if you enjoy the show or you have any suggestions, you can always leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would be amazing if you would do so. There, there is isn't a lot of feedback in podcasting. There, there really isn't. And when I see that a new review has come in, it completely makes my day, and I know I say that a lot, but truly, if a new review came in and somebody wrote a few sentences, it would, it would completely make my day. I would love to have that feedback. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case you enjoy the show. It's kind of a nice thing to do for any, any podcast that you listen to. I'm sure the, the hosts would have the same reaction as I would to get some feedback on their work. So yeah, thank you to Mandy. Thank you so much to you for listening today and for sticking around. The funny thing is in the podcasting world, I think the norm is to release an episode a week. And I'm amazed by all podcast creators who can do that. On this show, I've been trying to sort of stick to an episode a month schedule. And I know that's not the norm, but if if you have stuck around and you've come back month after month to listen, I truly, truly appreciate you. And I hope you have a great day and I will see you soon.